Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is our review show on the podcast feed where I review the latest films I've seen to let you guys know if it's a must-see, a see-it, a rent-it, or just a flat-out skip-it. And this is our first show of the year after a fantastic holiday break. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday as well. I know I had a, a very, very Merry Christmas and a, a wonderful New Year, but I'm excited to be back discussing movies with you guys. And speaking of which, over break, I saw a crap ton of movies. I saw like nine movies. And normally what I do here, as you guys know, if you if you listen to the show, I try to give you guys my thoughts, like my just full, deep thoughts on everything. Uh, and since I've just I've fallen behind on so much over the holidays and everything like that, I figured I could kind of just do a general thoughts on these nine movies that I've seen over break, just to kind of give you guys a fun, you know, end of year roundup of, of uh, reviews, as it were. And I mean, I saw, like I said, nine movies over break uh, and TV shows too. Well, I guess it's eight movies and one TV show that I, I finally finished. Um, so let's go ahead and let's get started with The Matrix Resurrections. So this came out right before Christmas. And if, as you guys know, if you've listened to this podcast, you may have heard me talk about it. I've probably brought it up before. In fact, I've done an episode on it, The Matrix. This movie, I was obsessed with it as a kid. I dressed up as Neo like twice for Halloween once. I, I just I loved these movies growing up. Obviously, I think the, the reason I liked it the most was because of the action. But as I get older, I think I appreciate the philosophical side. I'm even a, a bigger fan of 2 and 3 than most people I talk to. Most people I talk to aren't as big on those movies. Uh, and with The Matrix Resurrections, the trailers had me very intrigued. Um, because of the, I didn't really know what the plot was, and the trailers were fan freaking tastic, both of them. They were phenomenal, and with only Lana Wachowski returning to direct, you know, both the sisters weren't joining for this one. I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'd love to see Lana's take on this just by herself and, and see what she she has to offer. Obviously, uh, you know, post Matrix, the Wachowskis have been, you know not not really hitting their stride um I, i've i enjoyed v for vendetta obviously they did, i don't they didn't direct that one that was directed by someone else but you know i was i was interested to see what matrix resurrections would be again the trailer i thought was fantastic uh but i'm gonna be honest with you guys i was i was pretty mixed on it it's it's both parts of meta commentary on today's uh society while lampooning reboot sequel culture and kind of being a straightforward sequel to the original three at the same time it tries to have its cake and eat it too and not all of it works but i was i was super entertained throughout um it's very much a very hateful movie it, it is it, it's at times spitting venom i think at today's reboot culture and sequel culture and and the like but it's also a really sweet romance about connection you know, and with Neo and Trinity, I definitely understand people not liking it, but I think I do fall on the side of, of liking it overall, but it's certainly a, 
I would say it's probably the weakest of the of the four for me. This one was it was fine. It was okay. The action was not nearly as as crisp as it is in in the original three. Uh, it used a lot of shaky cam, and the meta ness of it all I really thought was pretty clever. And honestly, at first I thought this movie was it was very very trippy and and what they did and how they did it. But again, I, I don't think uh, I don't I, I haven't had the urge to watch it. It's on HBO Max right now. I, I haven't had the urge to go back and watch it. So I think I'm gonna give this a rent it score. Um, it, it's definitely not horrible. I've seen worse. It's not bad, but it, it's just kind of meh, you know. Again, there are some good things about it. Keanu Reeves was fantastic. I thought the cast was was awesome. The Morpheus stuff was a little weird. Neil Patrick Harris was great. I loved him in the role, uh, in the role that he did. I thought was was really good. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss was was wonderful as Trinity. In fact, I kind of left the movie wishing they would have done more with her, uh, even though she is a very central part of uh, of the movie. But again, I think I'm gonna fall on the uh, the rent it side. But speaking of of hateful movies, next up we got Don't Look Up. Uh, This is the next one from Adam McKay. And the cast for this is just insane. You have like Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep. I mean, the list goes on. And, you know... Adam McKay is one of those directors who has given us some of the best comedies, at least of my lifetime, with movies like Anchorman, Talladega Nights, and I I think one of my top three comedies ever made in Step Brothers. But lately he's also been, I think he's been pulled more to dramatic work, also adding in some, some comedy with movies like The Big Short, which was a terrific movie. And then Vice, which I was I was kind of mixed on it. I, I, I liked the performances and everything, but I thought it was a little overstylized, and I thought it leaned a little bit too much into the whole all of our nation's problems is always on this one person kind of thing, which I think is a trope a lot of movies fall into, especially when they're trying to make statements. Uh so with Don't Look Up, I was interested to see how I would I would feel about it. Obviously, I'm a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan. Again, I'm a big fan of Adam McKay. I think I think he's delivered some of the the best comedies uh, I, I've I've had the privilege of watching. Um, but with this movie, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of loved it. Like like I I kind of did. I, I thought it was obviously. I think people when they think of of watching this movie they're going to think of what it's it's talking about is i mean yes you can you can say it's about what's going on currently in our society with uh, everything involving uh, covid and everything but this was i think in production before beforehand and it's really about an allegory about uh our global warming but it can also be used for what we're going through right now. And I think that's kind of what makes it brilliant. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is, is fantastic in this movie. Jennifer Lawrence is, is wonderful. And it's a satire movie that I think works perfectly because not only does it satirize, 
you know, the side that it's clearly on or the side that it's clearly against, but it also satirizes the hypocrisy of its own side sometimes. And I think that's what makes the best satires or the ones that aren't afraid to pull punches on all sides of the spectrum. It clearly has a clear stance on where it sits, obviously, but it's, it's not afraid to, to poke fun at the hypocrisies of our society and and of the things that it's trying to lampoon and i i kind of i think it was i think it's brilliant i really do also really love some of the themes that it tackled but specifically the and it's it's not as it's not as uh up front and in the focus but the sexism of it all in regards to Jennifer Lawrence's character and everything that she goes through in comparison to everything Leo goes through and and the like I, I just I found myself laughing a lot and also being like uh horrified too because it hits close to home in a, in a lot of ways uh if there was something I, I I don't like about this movie, and that is there is a certain subplot with the Leod character and the Kate Blanchett character that I don't think was necessarily needed because that the Leo character and I'm, I'm forgetting the name uh, of the character that he plays, but Leonardo DiCaprio's character that he plays and Kate Blanchett he was already headed down a certain path of, of becoming big headed and everything like that. I don't think the storyline that they get involved with is particularly interesting, nor do I find it necessary to the plot in order to convey what they were trying to convey. I think it just makes it overly complicated. And honestly, I didn't really care for it that much. Uh, and also Mark Rylance. So his character I found to be, interesting but the thing is i've seen mark rylance play this character before this exact character <laughs> this exact one i've seen him play it before uh just now he has false teeth in and a different haircut and i i, I didn't really like that performance i've seen mark rylance give better performances and i've seen him do this exact same one so that's kind of my 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 thoughts on don't look up if i had to give it a grade I think I'd give it a must-see. If Even if you don't like it, I think it's an interesting conversation starter. That's for sure. I, I, I think it's a an interesting conversation starter. Next up is Hawkeye. So this is, I think this is the fourth TV show from, from Marvel Television. And I didn't really like WandaVision that much. I thought that show kind of fell flat completely at the end and, and became just utterly ridiculous and, and messy. I just was not a fan of it. Um, had some, some good parts, that line that Vision delivers of, of uh, love not persevering, what is grief if love not persevering, which I thought was wonderful, but that doesn't a good line doesn't make a, a great TV show. Falcon and Winter Soldier I thought was excellent in parts, but was held back by, by certain aspects of the show, but still Ultimately, I fall on the side of I, I really enjoyed that show a, a good deal. Uh, I thought Loki was freaking fantastic. I, I thought Loki was just absolutely wonderful. So going into Hawkeye, I was kind of like, okay, 
maybe this will be good. Maybe this won't be good. You know, I, the trailers didn't really intrigue me that much. Hawkeye is not a character that has ever really grabbed me from the MCU, although I do love Jeremy Renner um, and I do love him as the character. I just never thought the character himself really, uh, uh, really gave himself to an entire series or, or anything like that. And ultimately, Hawkeye's not really a Hawkeye series. In many ways, it's kind of a passing of the baton to Kate Bishop, who in the show is played wonderfully by uh, Haley uh, Steinfeld, who is just an amazing actress. She's an Academy Award-nominated actress. I think she's wonderful. But the show itself, when it first started, the two first two episodes, it felt like a CW show mixed with a Disney Channel show. And those first two episodes were rough. They were freaking rough. I, I was I was not a fan. Um, it wasn't particularly bad, but it just wasn't good. <laughs> it just it wasn't it wasn't for me, you know? It just wasn't for me. Um, but after those first two episodes, it really, really picked up and I started to become quite a quite the fan of it, especially I love the Jack character. I love the dynamic of of Clint and Kate and the action, especially in episode three, was just freaking awesome. And then, of course, we get introduced to Florence Pew as uh, Yelena in, in the show. And I say introduced, but it's our reintroduction to her since uh, Black Widow. She stole that movie. She steals this show, too. And I think the dynamic between her and uh, Kate is oh, it's so awesome. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then the reintroduction of Kingpin into the MCU, because I don't think this is the same Kingpin that we saw from the Netflix series. Uh, they could throw me a curveball, and it is the same. In fact, I hope it is, but I don't know if it will be or not. But that's where the episode kind of lost me. As much as I love Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, and I was so excited to see him, the last episode kind of just fell flat to me, and it was just very, very silly, like the first two episodes. And it had some bright spots, but it just wasn't really it wasn't really anything that I, I really liked. It kind of ended on a little bit of a thud. Ultimately, I still think this is a pretty entertaining show. Uh, if not, you know, kind of just turn it on and, and, and watch it kind of in the background kind of thing. Um, which I know probably sounds completely disrespectful to the people that made it, but it's it's like comfort food, you know. It's it's like reheating comfort food. You know what you're gonna get. It's MCU, but it's like MCU, MCU on on sleep mode, if that makes any sense. And I still I, I fall probably on the side that the the higher side of rent it for me. I I probably push it to a go see it. But there's a lot in this show that kind of holds it back for me. The first two episodes and the last episode I thought were were kind of thuds for me. But I I, I think I'm gonna fall on the side of rent it. Obviously, if you wanna you know stay up to date with all the MCU stuff, you probably want to watch it, especially because I think Kate Bishop and Yelena going forward are going to be the new versions of Hawkeye and, and Black Widow. 
Um, but they're going to be the other, their own respective characters. And I love the way that Marvel is kind of building and passing the baton to these different iterations for Phase 4. I think what they're doing feels natural and, 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 and gradual. Uh, the way that they're doing it. Like now, for me, when I think of Captain America, of course I think Steve Rogers, but now I I think Sam, you know. So I think I fall on the side of Rent It, but there is a, enough in here that I could almost see in, in, in the future me probably giving this a, a go-see-it. But for right now, it's, it's a solid Rent It. Next, we have The King's Man. So this movie has been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Um, this is the prequel to The Kingsman movies, the first one of which I absolutely adore. The second one I don't like as much, but I do think it is just ridiculous fun. And I, I think Matthew Vaughn is a fantastic direct, director. And every every one of his movies just have this frenetic sense of fun to them even when they're 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 hyper violent like the kingsman movies are or something like stardust or hell kick ass as violent as that movie is it's just so much fun and weirdly comforting to watch um so while this movie has has been delayed i've kind of lost excitement for it but the trailers have been pretty good and of course it you know Ray Fiennes is is one of those actors where he just adds this this gravitas to whatever he's doing. And so I went into this movie with very, very low expectations. And what I got was a pseudo-retro history movie uh, for World War One, And then it kind of becomes this weird 1917 movie in the middle where, where it's very serious. And then it kind of becomes this story of the origin of the Kingsman. So it's not like super in your face with how much of a of a Kingsman prequel it is. It kind of stands by itself and that was kind of to me the most impressive thing. It didn't rely on this past knowledge or or nostalgia that you might have for the the Kingsman movies. This really just stands by itself. I thought it was actually just a ton of fun if not sometimes tonally confusing it it works still now i will say the villain reveal is not exactly great i thought that that was very foreshadowed and i was i was kind of let down by it but speaking of villains rasputin by reese iphones is just absolutely spectacular he is so over the top and ridiculous and like gross and licking people <laughs> like it's ridiculous but it's just i found the movie to be more than what i was expecting again even though it's a little tonally confused and on that you know i can kind of knock it down a, a peg and also the villain reveal too but overall, I just I had a lot of fun with this movie. I did. I had more fun than I thought I was going to. And just on Reese Iphen's performance alone, this gets a, a, a go see it from me. This is, I thought it was, it was quite good. It's quite good. The next movie I saw is American Underdog. So this is the story of Kurt Warner. And as you guys know, if you listen to this show, I am a big sports fan in particular wrestling, but I also love football. I play fantasy football every year 
I, I love, love football. It, to me, it's what keeps me close to all my friends and, and keeps me having those relationships, but also have good memories of playing football growing up too and, and playing tackle football and everything like that. And one of the biggest stories I remember growing up was Kurt Warner because that was that was the first Super Bowl I remember watching was the greatest show on turf. The Kurt Warner St. Louis Rams at the time versus the Tennessee Titans. And I knew a lot of that story because my older brother was obsessed with Kurt Warner. And when they announced that they were doing this movie, I was like, okay, this could be pretty good. You know, it's Kurt Warner's story. It's it's highly motivational and and very, very just the the movie says it, you know, the title says it, just very American underdog-esque. You know, it's that 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 classic underdog story. Uh, Zachary Levi, I thought, has a striking resemblance to Kurt Warner. They look very much alike. And, of course, Anna Paquin is just an amazing actress um, herself. And Zachary Levi is a really good actor, too, and I loved him in Shazam. And with this movie, I got exactly what I wanted and what I expected. Yes, it's very cliched. Yes, it's very much you it's very much a movie you've seen before, but just because you've seen it before doesn't make it not good and doesn't make those things that work about it not work about it. Now, if you're not into the whole rah-rah underdog story, then you might not like it. And I get it. But for me, this was everything I wanted it to be, and it and it worked. It did. It had a lot of really good emotional beats, especially between Anna Paquin and, and Zachary Levi, who ultimately really carry this movie. I think if you were to cast two other uh, people in these roles, the movie wouldn't really work as well as it does. It's really carried by these performances and the amazing story of Kurt Warner and those famous stories of, you know, running out of gas and having to get the change in his car and then having to fill it up with gas and go all the way down you know, run all the way down to fill up that gas tank and then run back to his car, you know, and then playing uh, arena football. And then, of course, practicing in the grocery store he worked in and everything like that. You know, these are the stories that I've heard all the time growing up being a sports fan, especially of someone like Kurt Warner. And then being able to see it on screen is it's it was very inspiring. And again, the movie is something I've seen before. Sure. But it also reminds me of the type of movie that around when I saw it Christmas time, I would be going to see that movie with my dad if he were still here. So for me, it, it hit me on that level, and this would be the movie, a kind of movie that he loved. And so because of that, this gets a go-see-it from me. Yes, it's something I've seen before, but it worked. And if it worked for me, it worked for me. Next up on this long list of movies is Being the Ricardos. And... I didn't even see a trailer for this movie. I just knew that it was Aaron Sorkin, and I just love his stuff. I think he's an incredible writer. I think he's so fast and and witty and biting with his dialogue that he writes. He's so good, and he's also an exceptional d- director. I thought last year's Trial of the, of the Chicago 7 was absolutely wonderful uh, and well-deserving of a, of a Best Picture nomination. Uh, also, Molly's Game, an insanely underrated movie that no one really talks about, but I, I thought was was quite good. And 
with being the Ricardos, again, I was mostly excited for the Aaron Sorkin of it all. I'm not really a big fan of I Love Lucy. I'm not really nostalgic about it. I didn't really enjoy it when I saw it on Nick at Night when I was a kid. Um, but Lucille Ball is, you know, a Hollywood icon. And I thought taking up a day or a week of her life would be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, what that show did, especially what this week is about in regards to I Love Lucy, what it tackles. Uh, I, I was really interested to see what Aaron Sorkin would do. And, you know, the performances are great. I think Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball is wonderful. I think Javier Bardem as is, 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 is Desi is, is great, too. Uh, J.K. Simmons is, is, is wonderful. But if I'm being honest, I thought that this movie was kind of scatterbrained. You know, there were certain times where I thought it was it was great, but then there was other times where I just it felt so unfocused and and unfulfilling and just not all there. All the pieces were there for this movie to to be a home run, but I don't think it really delivered on the level of which I was expecting. Certainly not on the level that I am accustomed to with Aaron Sorkin whether it's just his writing or even now his directing. Uh, this is definitely the lesser of his outings. Uh, I think because of my feelings on it, while the performances are great, I, I don't necessarily think I'll ever go back to watch this movie. It was it was kind of hard to get through. I think for me, this is, this is not a skip it, because again, I think the technical aspects of it aren't bad. I don't think for a second the performances are, are bad. They're actually really excellent. But I just, the movie didn't uh, pull me emotionally, and for me, it has to. It has to hook me emotionally, and I just wasn't emotionally invested, and I found it grating and unfocused. And I think because of that, it's just going to get a just rented. It's not awful, and I can see where people really enjoy this movie, but it, it just wasn't for me. A movie that I, I do think was for me, though, in fact I know was for me, is a movie called Belfast, and so... Much like with being the Ricardos, this was not a movie that I, I really saw any promotional material for. All I knew is that it was a movie directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it was a very personal movie to him, and it was getting a lot of awards attention. And I sat down to watch this movie, and guys, this was everything I love about movies. It's everything I love about movies. You know, it's. Yes, it, it, it shows the real-world real ramifications of things, but it also is like very, very sweet and, and innocent in a lot of ways and mirrors you know our own society today and some of the issues that we have. But it's also a movie about a, a kid who loves his movies and loves spending time with his grandparents and about you know a, a father trying to 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 you know hold a job and and to make ends meet for his family while under the duress of the troubles and it's just it's such a wonderful movie and it just it's breezy too it's not like this 3 hour movie it's not anything like that it's like a hour and a half and it's just magical I absolutely was swept up by it and the the by the emotion of it. I thought it was absolutely wonderful and the performances by Janie Dornan as as the father is 
it's Oscar worthy. You know, you know, Color Me Shock, the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey is 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 better than those move than what those movies made out to be. He's wonderful. And then uh, same thing with uh, Siren Hines and then Judy Hench. But the standout is is Jude Hill as this young boy that we're following throughout the entire movie. He's just he's magnificent and charming. And this movie's just sincere. It's sincere, and it's everything I love about movies. It's everything I love about movies. And don't be surprised if this movie makes my, my top 10 of the year. This this movie's wonderful. And for that reason, it gets a must-see. But speaking of must-see, this next movie I watched back-to-back after Belfast, Coda. And listen, this was a movie that has been told you know to me all year well maybe not all year but since it came out that I need I need to watch this movie I need to watch this movie I need to watch this movie and I just kept putting it off I was like oh, I'll, I'll get to it when I can I'll get to it when I can I'll get to it when I can and I I just I regret that immensely because this movie is just it's so wholesome and wonderful and you know if you're not familiar with it it's about this this teenage girl who is the the helper of her her family who all members of her family are deaf and it's about her struggle of choosing between living out her dream uh that she has and this gift and using this gift that she has or being you know close to her family and i just found this movie being immensely relatable but also so sweet and much like belfast very very sincere and i just you know, they don't make mo- many movies like this anymore. They really don't. I know that's a popular thing to say amongst people that do what I do, but they really don't. This movie is just, it's so wholesome and rousing in the sense that it, it's very relatable and just, it made my heart sore. And, and watching it just, it was so funny, but also very sad in the sense that it made me cry but I don't even want to maybe sad's not even the right word but like so just so sweet you know this movie's just so sweet and I thought it was just so wonderful I thought the performances were all excellent just incredibly excellent um, especially by uh, Amelia Jones who was just oh, my God, was she not wonderful? I didn't even, I didn't know who she was when I saw this movie. Now I certainly do. And please put her in more stuff because she's wonderful. And this movie's a must-see. Again, don't be shocked if you see this on my top 10 later this week when I do my top 10. But my last movie for you guys is The Tinder Bar. And this is the latest from director and actor George Clooney. And this time, he's focusing on this relationship between a young boy who is the, the boy of, of a single mom who has an absentee, uh, this, this son has an absentee father. And it focuses really on his relationship with, with Ben Affleck in the film. And for me, you know, this movie, when it focuses on that relationship and everything that relationship has to offer the movie i think is absolutely wonderful but when it doesn't focus on that it doesn't work as well 
and I think that's because the movie does a lot of jumping around in time and it kind of messed with the flow of the movie itself, which is a director director choice. And it didn't really work that well. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think this movie's awful. I really don't. Um, I, I, I think it's fine. It's probably a rent it for me. Ben Affleck, however, I think is absolutely wonderful in it. Uh, but it is, it's certainly a, a coming of age tale. Uh, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, which is, something i've said on this before but it's certainly not the best and and i don't think it much like being the ricardos i kind of feel similar it didn't really hook me on that emotional beat that or any emotional beat that it really i thought it should have or could have and on that level it didn't really work for me however i do think ben affleck is absolutely fantastic in the movie i do i think ben affleck if he was someone that would get any type of buzz um, for this movie, I would completely understand in terms of getting awards buzz. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Certainly the the lesser of his supporting performances this year, but I, I, I do think uh, he was wonderful in it. I think I'm going to lean on giving this movie a rented score. It didn't really hook me emotionally. I thought uh, Ty Sheridan, that's kind of where the... I thought he was he was really good in it, but I thought once he became an adult, I became less interested, and I was more into the the sweetness of Ben Affleck, his character with the child character. I thought, or the child um, version of our of our protagonist, our, our lead character in the movie. I thought that that's when the movie worked the best. But that is it for our return show our <laughs> a movie review extravaganza our final blast of of 2021 if you will on here next time you guys uh hear from me it'll be my top 10 movies of 2021 there are of, of course some that I, I missed in particular uh the the movie that I think a lot of people will think is a, almost egregious that I don't have on the list, uh, but you know it is what it is. I haven't seen West Side Story, and it's because it wasn't playing near me. And with my wife being uh, pregnant and all, it's it's kind of hard to to leave uh, the house in terms of going further away than you know twenty minutes, especially with my wife being as far along as she is. So. You know, got to choose family first. But anyways, guys, um, until I return with that top 10 list, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, rate us, and while you're at it, give me a follow over on Instagram and TikTok at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest content I have for you guys. Anyways, until next time, stay classy.